The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Welcome to Overland Park Community Church. Good to see you all today. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 22. We'll pick up where um, we left off last week as we learned about trouble. <laughs> we learned that, man... A lot of times that when you're in trouble, like you're in a, going through a phase of trouble in your life, things aren't working out the way that you want, it's easy to kind of look at that and go, man, I must, not, I must not be doing right. I must not be living right, and God is not blessing me. That's, that's, that's not biblical. Like we see David was right dead center in the middle of the Lord's will. He was doing what God wanted him to do. He was being faithful, and he lost his home. He lost his forced to leave his wife because her dad was going to kill him, and he lost his best friend, Jonathan, and he's in trouble. And so don't always think that when you're going through a troubling time that that means that God is looking down on you and going, man, like something's wrong in your life. Something may be exactly right, and there are things coming against you, and it is in our perseverance through these difficult times that we learn how to really lean on the Lord and stretch and grow into the people that he wants us to be. And so this week, as we jump into chapter 22, we begin to learn that there are two ways people face trouble. There's only two ways to face trouble in, in life. And I'm amazed as I look in, in this, this uh, story about Samuel and David, or I'm sorry, Saul and David, of the contrast of the old and the new. And I'm, I'm quickly reminded of Galatians chapter 5. And Paul tells us, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So when we we measure up and go, okay, what is this whole thing about? Why are we in church today? Well, certainly I hope that it's not about some religious experience where we just come together and we're, we're, we're trying to do our good deeds in order to please God. Like, that's not why I'm here today. That's not why I'm teaching the Word. The reason I'm here today is because I believe in the gospel of Christ. I believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He came to die on the cross of Calvary. And after being dead three days and in the grave, he rose from the dead. He conquered Um, death, and he paid for my sin. And when I place my faith and my trust in him, I receive him as my Lord and Savior. And so when I receive him as my Lord and Savior, I have been set free. From what? From sin. It is for freedom that I have been set free. Therefore, it says, don't let yourselves be burdened again with a yoke of slavery. Okay? So like, and, and in this whole thing, man, he's dealing with the, the Jewish people who were coming out of this religious system of Judaism, and they miss Jesus as the, the Messiah, and they get saved, and they're trying to let go of all these things that they've kind of grown up with all of their lives and understand what it means to be free in Christ. And so he's saying, man, don't let yourself go back into that old way of thinking. There's something new, and that's what Jesus was all about. It is for freedom that he has set us free. And so when it comes to dealing with trouble in our lives and facing difficult circumstances, we can either deal with it like the old man or the new man, and if we are new men and women, then it is foolish for us to deal with our situations like old men and women. And those of you who are older, I'm not talking about you, right? 
I'm talking about the old nature versus the new nature. And so when we look at this and we go, okay, man, what does this mean for me? Well, we can look and we can quickly see in David, who when we, when we study theology, we see there is a, it's called a, a typology, all right? And so when, when, when you look in a, uh, the Old Testament and you see types of Christ, and it doesn't mean that they are Christ, it just means that there's a shadow of what Christ will do in these different characters. We see them in Moses, and, and we certainly see them in David. He's the greatest king and this incredible Old Testament figure in the history of, uh, of Israel. And so we see the new man in David. And it's fascinating to me that, that Saul is the representative of the people said, we want a king like all the other nations. We want to be like everybody else. God says, I'm going to give you what you want. And they got Saul. And Saul, we can see very quickly, he, he like as an example of the old man, what it's like to live like the old man. And the problem that I see happening in the church is that people are set free by the gospel, but they're not moving in their freedom and going beyond that salvation experience to begin to live that freedom out. And they're trying to live like the old man, even though they're the new man, and they become spiritual schizophrenics. And that is a problem. And so if you're here today, man, like the word for you today would be don't, be, don't let yourself burdened again with that yoke of slavery. Understand it is for freedom. Man, I love that word, freedom. I can't think of anything but Braveheart and like, freedom! <laughs> and like, this is a good word, man. When I say it, I feel good. Like, I feel good when I think about freedom. And I feel good the more freedom that I experience. And so I try to teach my kids. I'm raising all these kids in my house. And I'm, my, my philosophy on, on parenting is that you try to teach them to become like, um, like they, they, could, they can control themselves as soon as possible. And they can begin to re- render, they go from um, uh, parental control to self-control. And ultimately, they render themselves underneath God's control. And so that's what I've tried to teach them. And so now, man, I'm getting into these teenage years, and they're just rolling in. Man, these teenagers are rolling into my home. And what you guys need to understand, it is for freedom that you have been set free. And in our home, if you want more freedom, then show that you can handle the freedom that you have. And the more that you show me that you can handle that freedom, the more freedom that you're going to have. But guess what? The less you show me that, the less freedom you're going to have. And that's, that's what we need to understand about what it is to have God as our Father, is that the more we walk in the freedom that He has poured out in our lives, the more freedom that we get, and the more that we walk in bondage, the more we walk in prison. And so, the, so when we look at this, this, this word here, we begin to see, man, is that David knew how to walk in freedom. Now, David's not a perfect guy, and we, you know, later we see in Second in Samuel, we see some really like some terrible decisions he makes. But he still, he still knows, even in, in the midst of um, rebelling against God, he knows how to right the wrong whenever the truth is spoken to him. He knows how to repent. So he knows how to walk in freedom even when he stumbles. Saul, on the other hand, doesn't know how to do it. And so Saul is trying to get freedom. He's trying to hold on to what he thinks is freedom. And this is where the world is at, man. Like we're living here in Johnson County and people have so much stuff, man. There's so much stuff, so much disposable income, so many things to enjoy, and they don't understand they're not walking in freedom. 
And the only way that we can show them how to walk in freedom is not by having a pastor like me who teaches about how to walk in freedom, but having people like you who are walking in freedom and they look at you and go, I'm not walking in freedom like that person. What, what am in my life? And man, when they see it, that's what we see in that song. Taste and see that the Lord is good, man. Like he has set me free. And so when I understand that freedom and I experience that freedom and it starts rolling out of me, not only do I like, like gain movement in it and the kingdom just keeps breaking out in my life, then it starts breaking out in people's lives around me. And as we, as we look at this, man, we're, we're going to look at a lot of scripture today. And there's a bunch of points down in there, aren't there? Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's okay. The Chiefs don't play till three. No, no. No, it's not going to take me that long. Uh, I'm going to go through them pretty quickly. Um, and so, like, uh, when we jump into chapter uh, 22, let's just, like, look at what it says. It says, David, now, remember, he had to run, and he had to go to, like, he went to, like, he went and sought the Lord because he knew, because his best friend, who's the king's son, Jonathan, tells him, yeah, my dad is, he's trying to take you out, man. And so he flees with nothing, and he goes to the sanctuary, and he meets with the priest Ahimelech, and Ahimelech gives him the sword of Goliath that he had given to uh, uh, the, the, the kingdom, and he gives him some provision, the bread, and, and he prays for it. And so then he leaves, and he's on the run. And so it says that he left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam, Okay. Now, here's the deal is when you're reading scripture, sometimes you have to pause and go, all right, this didn't all happen like bam, 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 that elapsed. And so David is hanging out and finding himself in the middle of a, in a cave, man. So he's in a cave, and, and, and there he is. He's all alone. And what's going through his mind? Like he, he, he ascended, like he's just ascended like quickly. Road to the top of, of success. I mean, they're writing songs about Saul has slayed his thousands, but David has slayed his tens of thousands. He rises to the top ranks. He's the, he's the uh, king's bodyguard. He is, he's supervising all the battles. He's like the lead guy in the Israelite army. And they're just like, the Lord is just pouring success upon him. He marries the king's daughter. He lives in the king's castle. He pays no taxes. Amen. <laughs> and He's best friends with the prince. And then all of a sudden, man, because Saul goes rogue and is not listening to the Lord, he wants to kill him and he has to leave. And there he is. He has nothing. He had to go to the temple to beg for five loaves of bread. And so he's, he's sitting there in the, in the cave all by himself. You'd like to know, man, what is going on? And like, what was running through David's mind? If something falls apart in your life, like, how do we respond to that if we're going to respond like the new man? Well, fortunately, we have... We know exactly what was going through his mind. If you turn to Psalm 142, Psalm 142, a mascal of David when he was in a cave, a prayer. You don't know how to pray, man. Look at David. He'll show you exactly how to pray. This is what he's doing in the midst of that cave. Not with his family, not with his, like, not in his position anymore. He's, he has nothing. He's there in a cave alone. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who know my way. In the path where I walk, men have hidden a snare for me. Look to my right and see. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge 
no one cares for my life. That's a bad day, man. Like when you're there, like it's just like that's as bad as it gets, right? There. I don't have anybody on my right hand. I don't have my right hand. Man, I got nobody. I'm all alone. And he's there and he's talking to the Lord and he's pleading with the Lord for his mercy and is sharing his heart. And in the midst of sharing that, and I kind of look at this psalm and go, man, this is, this is like a journal of David's and he shifts and he says, I cry to you, O Lord, in verse five. I say, you are my refuge. Like he was saying, I have no refuge, but then the Lord confirms to him that the Lord is his refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. It's like he's just pouring out his heart to the Lord, man, and he's like, I'm all alone. I have nobody. There is no refuge. No, wait, wait, Lord. You are my refuge. You are my stronghold. You are my right hand. Like, Lord, you're my everything. And so these people that are after me, you know, Lord, they're too strong for me to face. I need your help. Set me free from the prison. Why? So that I may praise your name and walk in more freedom, just like I was talking about in the beginning of the the, the message today is like it's for freedom that we have been set free. Then he says, the righteous will gather about me because of the goodness, uh, because of your goodness to me. He says, others will see the freedom I'm walking in, and they will come around me. Now, this is fascinating to me. Now, that had to have happened before the events take place that we read in, in 1 Samuel. Like, he's there alone. He's by himself. We know that he flees. He may have had a few he certainly was not traveling with an entourage like he was used to, and things were bad for him. But then it says, in the second part of verse 1, going back to 1 Samuel chapter 22, when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. Now, they may have gone because they had compassion for him, but probably more, li more than likely, they were afraid of their own lives, and they had to get out of town. They had to get out of Bethlehem because they knew Saul would be coming to look for David there. But then it also says, all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. He's in the cave praying that he's all alone. He has nobody, and he says, set me free from this prison. Lord, like set me free so that others will see. And all like, we don't know exactly when it happened, but ultimately 400 people and his family show up in that cave and he becomes their commander. He becomes their leader because they were discontented and they had saw him, they watched in him as they witnessed him slay the giant, as they witnessed him lead through battles. They knew the hand of the Lord was on his life. And they recognized clearly that the hand of the Lord was not on Saul's life. And so they wanted to follow him, and God was doing just what he had asked him to do in Psalm 142, to gather people around him. And they came, and from there David went to Mizpah and Moab and said to the king of Moab, would you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? And so he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. But the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold. Go into the land of Judah. So David left and went to the forest of Horeth, or Hereth. And so we look at this. Let me give you a few things about the new man. Like, if you're going to live like the new 
What are, what are some things that you ought to be experiencing and looking for in your own life? What are some things that should be taking place? If you're going to walk that out where, where Paul says it is for freedom that you have been set free. Like if, you have, if your sin has been covered by the blood of Christ and you have been set free from your sin and you're walking in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit, what are some things like some obligations, some things that, that ought to be happening in your life? What should you be looking for? Well, here's the first one. The new man is surrounded with spiritual family. Like the new man is surrounded with spiritual family, not, not church people, family. Like, like people, we look to and we go, man, this is my brother. This is why the early church referred to one another as brother and sister. Is they, they saw themselves as spiritual family by sharing in the blood of Christ, and that's what united them. And, and so like he led people of peace. Why? Because he was willing to follow the Lord. Like, like people were starting to gather around him and become spiritual family to him because he was willing to listen to the Lord and follow the Lord whatever cost it meant, even his own life when he was younger and he steps up and meets Goliath in the battle, which looked like it was no way that he could win, but he didn't care because he knew that no one should blaspheme God like um, Goliath was doing. So he stepped up to the plate and God began to bless his life. And so he began to bless him with, with, with a big voice in other people's lives, and he began to develop spiritual family, even so much so that, that the king's son, whose heart was after God as well, they knit together, two hearts beating as one and bound together. We saw that um, when, when we were looking at their relationship is that Jonathan and, and, and David were as one, man. Why? Because Jonathan recognized, man, here is a guy's heart who beats for the Lord. Like I can see the Lord in him. I don't see religion in him. I see the Lord in him. I want some of that for me. And so they were bound together, and, and the Lord just continued to, to bless David. And so here's the thing, man, is we can expect the same provision in our lives when we are willing to step up and follow the Lord. But if you're trying to live like the old, and you're still asking God to supply some spiritual family to you, the Lord is probably saying, man, I'm not bringing some spiritual family in your life because your life is dysfunctional, and I'm not about dysfunctional spiritual families. I'm about healthy spiritual families. And so, like, what is the Lord looking for? He's looking for obedience. Where does joy come from? Obedience. We find that over and over in the Gospel of John. Jesus said, as we walk out in obedience, our, his joy will be complete in us. And joy is something that the world cannot offer us. Money, possessions, power, position can never offer us joy. But the Lord has joy, and it's immeasurable and full of glory that he could pull out and pour out in our lives as we're obedient and we walk in uh, obedience and in faith. Then he begins to pour that joy out in our lives, and he surrounds us with spiritual family. And so I would say this, like, I, I, and I say this, like, man, man, I hope you can receive this, and I hope I can say this without sounding boastful, because I, 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 I say this in all humility. It's a privilege to, to lead you guys. Like, it is a privilege of mine. I, I love you guys, man. I, I, and I, you know, when I moved up from Oklahoma, the expectations of the church was just going to explode and grow and, and, and be big because there were people everywhere, and, and, and the Lord had kind of worked me through some of that, man. I had to let go of some of that. And begin to realize that there were some things in my last ministry that I didn't do exactly right and that, that I needed to grow through. Like it wasn't just about people getting saved. It was about people getting discipled. And so like, man, I, I just love our church. And so like, I, I love you guys and I love how the Lord is, is like using me in your life. And, and, and so here's, here's, here's the thing. And, and, I, and I, again, I say with humility, um, 
I like, I'd like to think that you're, you're growing because I'm challenging you from the Word. And I'm challenging you in ways you haven't been challenged in discipleship. And many of you are in discipleship and finding movement. Uh, and so I would, like, I would lean into that and say, what if I hadn't come? What would your life be like? Like, like it, that, no to me other than just obedience to the Lord, and the Lord is what's doing the work in you. I'm just trying to illustrate a point. We're family. And one of the reasons God was able to like weave this family together is because I was willing to listen. And so I, take, I thank God that I'm, I'm able to serve in some, like a spiritual parent in your life. But what about the people around you who have no spiritual family? That the only way they're going to experience spiritual family is if you listen to the Lord. See, when you listen, there are people that are around you right now that will become part of your spiritual family. And as the Lord moves, he will move in their lives. And if you don't listen, like they're, they're just spiritual orphans out there. And the Lord wants to make your voice big. And as he makes your bit, voice big in their lives and, and they become people of peace for you and they're drawn around you, man, they're gonna get shaped for the Father and freedom is gonna start rolling out of their lives. And as it rolls out of their lives, it's going to be exponentially grown in your life. Like I know Man, I've, it's the way I've been living for years is I see the Lord just rolling out in this. And so this is what we have to understand. It's not about like going to church. It's not about like just being in church. It's about freedom. And like church just gets taken care of as we're walking in our freedom. And so it's not about what we do. It's about who we are. And so the new man is surrounded with spiritual family. The new man, and, and real quickly, I, I just want to throw this out there because we see it. The new man takes care of his parents. Like, what is one of the first things that David did? Man, he, he took care of his parents. It's one of the commandments is to honor thy father and thy mother. Amen, Jonah? Amen, bro. <laughs> it's like we want to honor them. Like, honor your parents. And I, so many of you have watched take care of your parents at the end of, of life. And, and I've had to walk through that with my own dad. My mom's still living, thankfully. And, and, and this is a hard time, man. But, like, David's taking care of his parents when they get older and they're aging. And so there's a call on our lives to take care of them that way. There's a call on our lives to take care of them when we're growing up. And there's a blessing that comes with it when we honor our parents. The Lord, he looks at that favorably. And so I think it's intentional that we see this, that, that the new man takes care of his parents. He said, well, you don't know my parents. You don't know that my dad was a deadbeat dad. I, no, I don't know your parents. But what I say to you when you say to you, you don't know your parents, I would say you don't know how Jesus operates because I'm reminded of him telling us, love your enemies and pray for them. And so you can't, like, I understand sometimes honor doesn't always have to carry um, that you, you enable people to run all over you. I'm not saying that. You can honor anyone, though. Like, you can honor them. It's, 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 uh, so we look and we see that, th that there's a way to honor, um, like you may not like the president that's elected at any given time, but you can honor the presidency. And that's kind of the idea. So when it comes to our, our parents, man, it's, it's important for us to honor them. And the new man does that. And here, the new man learns what the Lord will do for him. And David said, man, when you take 
my parents until I learn what the Lord will do for me. And that is encouraging to me to know that God will show us what he will do for us. I'm reminded of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said would be given. The comforter, he will come, he will remind you all things that have taught you, he will help you recall what I have taught you. And so as I apply that to my own life, as I read the word and I'm in the word, the Holy Spirit will remind me and he will help me and he will show me what he will do for me. And so the Lord is walking with me and he's guiding me. And, and so by coming to Overland Park to like relaunch a dead church that was like, like it was on its last leg, like that was not just me going, oh man, great career opportunity. I can't wait to get there. They're gonna pay me well. Da, da. No, it wasn't like that, man. The Lord was guiding me. He was showing me what he would do next. And so the Lord is constantly doing that in the, in the journey that I've been walking with you as your pastor. He's been, he's been doing that same thing. He's just guiding us. And, and so like that, that's encouraging to me. The new man can expect the Lord to guide him as he walks out in obedience where the Lord him. And then we see that uh, as, as we kind of like close and land on the, the new man, is the new man lives and leads out of his identity. Like, like, so, so David, like he was just, even when he had nothing, what did he do? He turned to the Lord. What did he do when he had everything? He turned to the Lord. Why did he keep doing that? Like when he saw Goliath, Goliath said, man, I defy you, you ruddy little thing. Give me a man that we may fight today. And, and David steps out and he says, man, the Lord will give you into my hands because you defy him. Like you are, you are defying the Lord of hosts. You are black. So what is, like David's whole identity is not like, you're talking about my mama or my daddy. Like physically, you're not, his whole identity wasn't, well, we are Israel and we need to step up to the plate. No, his whole identity was, I believe God's promises. He said he would make us a great nation and he would deliver us from our enemies. He knew, the, he believed the word, so he followed the word and his identity was wrapped up in who he was in his heavenly father. Because of that, the Lord was pouring out blessing in his life. It's, it was, for him, it was about being and not doing. And it's so easy for us in this modern-day age to make our faith about doing and not being. Like the, the doing always has to fl flow out of the being. And if you get that, if you get that off, if you, if you get it off, then, man, you end up living like an old man, which we're about to see. And so the new man is always learning to live out and lead uh, out of his identity, who he is in Christ. The scripture says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, um, if any man is in Christ, he is a new Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. And so the new man, man, he's, he's walking in that freedom and he's living that out. He's living in his identity. He's letting God guide him. And as God guides him, he's listening and obeying and stepping into obedience, and he's understanding the principle that Paul teaches us. It is for freedom that you have been set free. Therefore, do not let yourself be burdened again with a yoke of slavery. Walk in freedom, man. And so now we look at the old man, and we can name verses, uh, uh, verse 6 of chapter 22. Let's just look at the old man and watch what's the, it's an incredible contrast. Now Saul heard that David and his men had been discovered. And he, and he said, and Saul, spear in hand, was seated under the tamarisk tree on the hill at Gibeah with all his officials standing around him. And Saul said to them, listen, men of Benjamin, will the son of Jesse give all of you fields and vineyards? Will he make all of you commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? 
Is that why you have all conspired against me? No one tells me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. None of you is concerned about me or tells me that my son has incited my servant to lie and wait for me as he does today. He's like, nobody, none of this stuff was true, by the way. David wasn't doing any of these things. And he says, nobody's, like, nobody's doing that. He's got, he's got all his leaders gathered around this, this spot, and he's talking to them. But Doeg, remember him? He was in last week. He was the guy that was kind of being a, detained at the sanctuary because of something. And he had been there when David was there. And it says, but Doeg, the Edomite who was standing with Saul's officials said, I saw the son of Jesse come to Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, at Nob. And Ahimelech inquired of the Lord for him. He also gave him provisions and the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Then the king sent for the priest Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, and his father's whole family who were the priests at Nob. And they all came to the king. Saul said, listen now, son of Ahitub. You may, yes, my lord, he answered. Saul said to him, why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, giving him bread and a sword and inquiring of God for him so that he has rebelled against me and lies in wait for me as he does today. And Ahimelech answered the king, who of all your servants is as loyal as David, the king's son-in-law, captain of your bodyguard, and highly respected in your household? Was that the day, was that day the first time I inquired of God for him? Of course not. Let not the king accuse your servant or any of his father's family, for your servant knows nothing at all about this whole affair, which was true because David didn't tell him anything. David just told him he was on the king's business. He's like, man, I don't even know what you're talking about, king. I've always taken care of David like this. But the king said, you will surely die, Ahimelech, you and your father's whole family. Then the king ordered the guards at his side, Turn and kill the priest of the Lord, because they too have sided with David, and they knew he was fleeing, yet they did not tell me. And you see, but he just keeps moving further and further away from truth. But the king's officials were not willing to raise a hand to strike the priests of the Lord. He's like, no way, man. Like, I'm not doing that. Then the king ordered Doeg, who was not an Israelite. He was a foreigner. You turn and strike down the priest. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck them down. That day he killed 85 men who wore the linen ephod. He also put to the sword Nob, the town of the priest, with its men and women, its children and infants, and its cattle, donkeys, and sheep. But Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, escaped and fled to join David. And he told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar, that day when Doeg, the Edomite, was there, I knew he would be sure to tell Saul, I am responsible for the death of your father's whole family. Stay with me. Don't be afraid. The man who is seeking your life is seeking mine also. You will be safe with me. Wow. But this is a guy, that's the king of Israel, man, ordering the death of the priests. It's fascinating because we would look at that and we go, well, where was God? Why wasn't he protecting the priests? Well, you go back to the summer of Samuel when, when um, Shea was teaching you all and he taught you about Eli and his sons whom he did not correct and there was a penalty that was going to come on that house. This is it happening. It's because of the disobedience that was happening in that, that particular time. But that, I don't have time to exegete that. But from, from this point, when we look, we go, man, like the old man, what I see immediately lives and leads out of position and possessions. 
Like, it isn't like he, he's there, spear in hand. What do we know that he did earlier? He threw a spear at David. He threw a spear at his own son, Jonathan. So there, spear in hand, and he's leading out of his position and his possessions. He gathers his leaders around, and he manipulates them with fear. You're not leading like Jesus at work if you use fear to motivate your people. You should never use fear to motivate your people. You, should, you lead like Jesus. That doesn't mean you have to talk about Jesus. I know you're in a corporate setting. But if you lead like Jesus, if he is God in the flesh and you live like him, people will follow you. They will see you. And you go, you don't understand the corporate world, Jimmy. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. And I say, you don't understand Jesus, bro. He is king of the universe. And he holds the kings in the palm of his hand. And so we don't need to fear what men can do us. Do to us, and we never need to lead out of uh, manipulation and fear. He reminds them. This is interesting. He reminds them of what he has given, and that it will be lost. Hey, you Benjamites! These were all the people in his clan that he had surrounded himself with. And he says, if we if we don't stand up to this, it's all going to be gone. And so again, he's using fear to try to lead them. And one of the things that I notice most, if you look at uh, verses like, I don't know, six through um, eight, you'll see the words, me, me, and my. Like he feels threatened and is insecure. Why? Because his purpose is found in his performance. Like he doesn't know the Lord like David does. Like David is intimately involved with the Lord. We see the Psalms and he's walking with the Lord. And so he's walking out of his identity and Saul is walking out of performance and position. What I can do, what I can hold on to. I got to keep this whole thing together. People are looking at me. What do people think about me? Man, I'm the king. I can do a good job. And he's just doing everything that he can to hold on to it. And so we see that the old man always lives and leads out of position and possession. And his life is measured by that. It's measured by what he has and what he does, not who he is. But the man who walks in freedom, it can all be taken away. You could be on top one day and down on the bottom the next and nobody can touch your freedom because it is for freedom that you have been set free and you no longer are walking with a yoke of slavery, that burden weighing you down. You're walking in freedom and the joy of the Lord is rolling out of your lives. Here's the second thing I see. The old man can always find an opportunist to join him. Man, there's always somebody around that will let you live like the old man. And so what I would say to you as a body of believers is beware of the people in your life who say what you want to hear instead of what you need to hear. Because they will say it. And they will say when you begin to make excuses as the Lord is trying to stretch you and grow you in a Kairos moment where the kingdom is breaking out of your life, is trying to happen, and somebody's leaning into you and they're pressing, one of the first things you're going to want to do is run away from that moment. And so because what's happening is a person is speaking truth into your life. And you will find somebody else say, well, that, 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 those people are just, they're just a little bit too far out there. You need to find you a different church. That's an opportunist. Like why would anybody try to fight and put themselves in a place of, of, of awkwardness and conflict because they're like believing the Lord is trying to do something in your life and they have nothing to gain but your freedom and them seeing it roll out of your life. And so like, like we have to look and go, man, I have to be aware that there are voices around me that are not always from the Lord because opportunists will always be there and they will say what you want to hear instead of what you need to hear. And the truth is what sets you free. <laughs> you know what Jesus said in John chapter 8? You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. 
And so we want people around us who are speaking truth into our lives, not, not people who are speaking a watered-down message. That's why if you ever move, like if, if this is your church home and you move to a community, you find you a church that preaches and teaches the word. Sometimes when you go to church, you ought to feel a little bit of conviction. Why? Because we're people. And that's the way the Lord works. The truth sometimes is calling us to a place of obedience, which is trying to stretch us and make us into the people of the Lord so that that freedom can roll out of our lives. And so that's a healthy thing. And so be aware of the opportunists who want to join and keep you in prison. The old man's fear and assumption always leads to death. Just execute them. The execution of these people. Are you saying, man, if I live like the old man, I'm going to kill people? No, but I am saying this. If you live like the old man, you will cut good relationships out of your life. And so the death of the relationship will happen so that the growth of the father won't in your life. So the old man doesn't do that. The, the new man, man, like the, or the, the old man does that. The new man doesn't. doesn't. He looks at that. And he, this, this is a brother or a sister in Christ who loves me, who cares for me, who wants to walk with me. This is a sister. Like This isn't an acquaintance. This is a sister of mine. This isn't an acquaintance. This isn't a buddy. This is a brother in Christ who cares deeply for me. And they, they pray together, and they walk together, and they help each other, and they're refined by the fire of Christ, and the glory of God rolls out of their life, and others take notice. So here's the big idea as we land this thing. In trouble, when we face trouble, in trouble, we either get with or get angry at God. And the old man will get angry at God. The new man may deal with some anger, but he knows how to talk to the Lord about it, and the Lord walks him through it. The old man just gets angry, and he gets angrier and angrier, and the heart becomes calloused and hard. I'm reminded of Pharaoh who kept just getting a harder and harder heart when God was calling the Israelites to freedom, and he was trying to oppose it. And his heart just kept getting harder and harder and angrier and angrier. And so that can happen to us. Like we can go through something and we don't understand something, the loss of a child. We lose the child. It doesn't make sense to us. And we think God is being unfair and unjust. And all of a sudden, instead of like turning and letting God heal us, we just get angry. We listen to the wrong voices. We find voices out there that aren't speaking truth. And so then we justify our anger and we get angrier and angrier. And if before we know it, we have opportunists in our lives who are leading us down a road of death, taking us away from the Lord. And as that happens, man, it just brings about destruction and despair, and it starts a cycle, a cycle of life or death is what we're looking at. And so Saul, like we look at him, and what does he do? He kills the priest, but one made it out, and where did he go? David, and what did David do with him? He installed him. He became David's high priest. You see the difference, man? There's a old and a way to do things. So you got to look at your life and go, man, what am I doing? And, and I think you also have to ask, do I really believe this? Like, do I, do I really believe in the gospel? Do I really believe that Jesus died, rose from the dead, and that when I confess him as Lord and Savior, he comes and lives in me and sets me free? Like, if you believe it, <laughs> you ought to be able to walk in freedom. Don't live like the old if you're a new man, just keep, you say, man, how am I going to get there? How, how, 
you mean it just feels like, man, you're rolling in freedom. How am I going to get there? Find out and listen to what the Lord will do for you next. Don't try to get where I'm at. Try to get where the Lord wants you to be. What does he want you to do next? What is the commitment he's calling you to? Because then the freedom will grow, the confidence will grow, and you'll want more. Taste and see that the Lord is good, and you'll want more of the Lord. And so then he'll show you, and you step in the joy will roll, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, all these things. Your, your wife starts looking at you and goes, what are you doing? Like, why are you so nice to me? It's not you, man. It's the Lord in you. And he starts taking control of your life. And then you're like, I want some more of that. And do the next thing. And that's called sanctification and following the Lord. And he takes us on this journey, man. And the freedom rolls. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.